signs of the Southland, Sunday, October 30th. Gentlemen, it's MLS semifinal season, which is, of course, what we're here to talk about. Jack, I assume you're also watching Philadelphia, New York City FC in the background, like I am. Oh, actually, I'm not. I did try to carve out time to watch Austin and LAFC earlier because I'm, I guess I'm an Austin guy now that I did live there for a hot second. Um, and then I saw they were down early and I did not turn that back on and instead watched uh, Young Way Koo kick a game winning field goal. They got murdered. Thank Austin you. got murdered. Mr. Grant, I assume you have MLS thoughts. What is the MLS and where can I buy some? I was going to say, I got, uh, I got some for Jack. Um, Akshay tried to convince me that the MLS theme song was like good, and I hold don't on, think I I don't think it's I've recovered my opinion of the MLS since that. Let let's let let me defend myself before we move on because this intro has already taken way too long. This now. is worth defending. Hold on, <laughs> it's the MLS walkout music, which if you listen to is very good, uh, composed by Hans Zimmer. Uh, I will say that Jake absolutely hated the Champions League theme song, which is sacrilege in my book. <laughs> Jake, when my dad heard that song for the first time at the first ever Atlanta United game, he cried. Oh, yeah. no, it's the different MLS now. theme song. It's the different one, now. The one where they walked out. Yeah, he cried. It's it's different. They redid it for 20 for the 25th season in 20. Oh, they did. I haven't noticed. Oof. That says a lot about the current state of the program. Speaking of college sports programs, uh, Mr. Grant, tell me about Georgia Tech cross country. Well, uh, this was Tech's first contested uh, ACC championship of the year. I guess first two because it's men's and women's. Uh, and we definitely did not win them. Uh, you probably would have heard about it if we did. Uh, the men got 11th and the women got 10th up in Earliesville, Virginia. Um Fairly pedestrian weekend uh, among Tech's athletes. Elena Lindsay and James Craigan led the way. Uh, Lindsay crossed the line at 20-21 flat in the women's 6K, and Craigan finished the men's AK in 23-51-5. Helena was a 24th overall finish. Uh, Liz Galarza was just behind her in, I believe, 32nd. That is literally off the top of my head. I know it was low 30s. Let's go with 32. Uh, And then Craigan was at 45th. Uh, That kind of... Wrapped up the weekend pretty pretty un, unremarkable there. Mm, interesting. Move on to women's tennis, which you have listed here as great weekend. Yes, I do have it listed as great weekend. Uh, they went up to UT Knoxville. Uh, up in Knoxville, Georgia Tech played three days. Uh, this was actually kind of a almost a faux match play kind of situation. Basically, all of their uh, games or matches, courts, whatever. It, it wasn't a draw um, on Friday. They played a bunch of singles and doubles against Kentucky, uh, Saturday, Tennessee, and then Sunday, UVA. Uh, I put in uh, scare quotes. They beat uh, Kentucky and Virginia while they lost to Tennessee. Uh, This is because, uh, you know, match play does have uh, six singles courts and three doubles in action. So they definitely didn't have that many up. But that being said, uh, they did do pretty well overall, uh, dropping uh, a couple more singles than they won to Tennessee. But other than that, uh, doubles went uh, six and one overall on the weekend, including uh, three and O oh stints from both doubles teams of uh, Alejandro Cruz, K- Kylie Bilchev, uh, and Ruth Marsh and Mahak Shane. Uh, so really great uh, weekend there. And then uh, in singles the rest of the way, pretty darn good. UVA uh, of note on Sunday. Uh, they played them. They were top five in the country last year. Uh, so the fact that they went five and zero in doubles and singles combined there is really, really good with the giant asterisk that just as we were not seeing Kate Sharabura and Carol Lee for Georgia Tech, uh, UVA was almost certainly resting people. I didn't have time to uh, verify that one either, but my gut tells me that's true because you don't com- go from being top five to nothing uh, in a sport like tennis that fast. UVA has been really good for a long time, but uh, you know, a win there is, is never a bad thing. Uh, let's rattle off a couple other results. Baseball had some scrimmages. I think one was versus Kennesaw. I think they had two versus Kennesaw on Friday. Uh, no box scores. Not, or I, I, People were, I assume, there. The games happened. Like, they were physically there and happened. Uh, they let in D, I was going to say, they let in D1 baseball's Aaron Fit. Uh, they did move those up from Sunday, kind of at the – not at the last minute. I think they moved him up on, on Wednesday or Thursday because – 
if you were in Atlanta today, you know that it was cold and gross. Uh, so Sunday would not have been a fun day to play so five hours of baseball. But um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> delightful. You know, uh, but um, yeah, no, uh, in terms of uh, all the content we got out of it was GT baseball retweeting stuff Aaron Fit was saying. So uh, Terry, Terry Busey, Terry Boos looked good. Uh, and also Jaden Jackson went three for three with three hard singles. So uh, those are both good to know. And those are literally the two stats about baseball we have. Uh, I would love to know how they squared up against Kennesaw because I believe we only went one and one against them last year. Granted, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did we? Oh, man. Those were messy, messy, messy. Oh, games. yeah. Because the one we won was like that ninth inning trickery, was- not trickery, but walk offery. No, 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 yeah. no, no. The one that we won was like a complete pitching implosion in the middle of the game by Kennesaw. The one that we mm-hmm. lost was the ninth inning buffoonery, which there's wow. really no other term for that. Uh, also, I feel like you're very much so waiting for this baseball media guide so you could figure out how to pronounce uh, Mr. Boosie's name properly. Well, that takes us nicely into the next sport I want to talk about because swimming cut their media guide. A couple, they did it for a couple other sports too, but there's a swimming media guide every year until 2018, 19, and they just don't do it anymore. And as the only media man who writes about the Georgia Tech swimming program, maybe Jack, you count too, but uh, as the only outlet that covers that program regularly, other than the technique, I guess, it is very frustrating um, that they do not make that literally just for me. Um, So if anyone's out there and you want to send me a really bootleg 2022, 23, media guide uh, i will gladly take that off your hands that being said we sh- probably should not dwell on swimming too much tonight because they went down to tallahassee and they got absolutely thumped uh georgia tech versus florida state is a really good measuring stick each year because swimming's a really weird schedule and this is really the only thing that's consistent on the schedule uh, i believe every year since oh four with the exception of two uh, we've swam against FSU, so really uh, consistent, um, really consistent mark there. That being said, uh, Georgia Tech has been fairly competitive with Florida State. Uh, they've been in a similar spot. Uh, their men have been ranked for a long time, uh, and their women have not. So kind of similar to our profile. And the last couple of years have been very competitive. This year was decidedly not. Um, a couple standout individuals, Mert Kilavus, uh, did break their pool record in the thousand freestyle and FSU's had a lot of good swimmers. So that's great. And uh, just because recruiting the entire Turkish national team is a really good strategy, at least at the top end, Denise Ertan also won the thousand freestyle. So, Hey, we'll score some points in the distance events. And as a distance swimmer back in my day, I can really vibe with that. But that being said, we just don't have the depth. We don't have the guns. Uh, we're getting smoked in relays and, and that's a really tough proposition to, uh, translate to wins if you're not also you know winning a couple events here and there just uh, that depth is it's hard to stack up points when they're when they're getting 11 every every race uh speaking of other swim meets club swim did win their auburn invite so a nice juxtaposition between the varsity and the club which i'm sure mr grant is very happy with something that he might find very disconcerting club hockey got swept by liberty this weekend we need not dwell on that one uh, Mr. Purdy, we haven't heard from you much. Anything else to add before we move on? I was in Auburn on Saturday. Uh, I went to the Auburn Arkansas game because my dad's from, the, from went to school there, and so got to enjoy the plains and some good, a lovely Mama Goldberg sandwich, which is a, it, it is my favorite sandwich place in the entire world. So I could not go without saying that. Um, still enjoyed some. You know, honestly, the the quality of the football was the exact same as the Tech Florida State game. So, regardless of the game I watched, I watched some equally bad football across the board. Um, it was the saddest I had ever seen Auburn for an inner rival wow. game ever. Uh, yeah, there was people. It was half empty by the by the end of the third quarter, and that stadium is a large stadium. Brian um, Harson remains employed. I'm just he does remain employed for, as of recording. Uh, he is employed. Um, but beyond that, golf, men's, men's tennis, and softball were off. Yeah, it's the it's the thick of the fall sports season. We have, like I said, MLS playoffs going on. We have NFL games going on. Uh, depending on what you taxonomically categorize the Falcons as, 
you didn't even mention the World Series, and that's a pretty that's a pretty big one too. But uh, I don't have to acknowledge that. I, I I'm a big baseball guy. I have a hard time watching this particular World Series because I have no joy watching either of those teams play baseball, and never have. So that is that is fair. I I do miss my left fielder though, Kyle Schwarber. You'll never listen to this, but what a what a guy. He stole a base. He got America tacos. He's the taco man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I, some some say that that home run he hit against the Cardinals in 2015 is still flying flying out into the night. But they said anyways. the same thing about Jorge Soler's, which actually never landed because it was came from Houston. That was I don't even team. know how to segue into this. Let's talk about Georgia Tech volleyball, gentlemen. Uh, they played two games in the triangle this weekend. They dropped the first set to UNC. Uh, but picked it back up for the last three sets of that match. Then they had some shenanigans in Raleigh versus NC State. They got the first two sets. They came back, if I remember correctly, in the first of those two. They dropped the third set, which was tight the entire way. And then the fourth set was tight the entire way until they pulled through in the end. It was, a uh, you know, they took care of business, but I think vibes-wise... A bit of a mixed bag, wouldn't you say, Mr. Purdy? Sort of, yeah. I mean, these are road games still, and it's not like these teams are getting worse also. I mean, volleyball is not a sport where you're just loaded with injuries like football, and it's kind of your season's at the behest of that. Um, We all this we had the second set continues to be our best set. We just killed both UNC and NC State in the second set on both fronts. Um, The first and third sets were near mirror images of each other today against nc state just the ends were a tad different um we were down eight we were down five eight three early and then got up later and then it got a little crazy at the end um i wouldn't say we were bad though like i i, I shenanigan i don't I, I i hesitate on using the word shenanigans because i i do think we played uh um close to not not our full standard as we know we can play which is just murdering the crap out of teams um but I do think that NC State played up to us pretty well. I mean, I think they were good. They have they have a couple of good outside hitters, um, and they were reading the blocks well. Um, and so I don't think we were necessarily bad. Um, Nicole Drunick and uh, Laura Fisher came back in for this game as well, and that was the only subs. Um, so those are coming the pretty regular subs I was looking today. And the, uh, Fisher has no Drunick has the most sets appeared in of any of our bench players, uh, which I thought was not going to be the case, but so it is. Um, Bergman did pass the 1,000 dig mark, so she's now the fifth all-time uh, in tech history to have 1,500 kills and 1,000 digs, and she should pass Mariana Brambia on Friday against Miami at the rate that she's been getting. Uh, she's at a 5.2 kills per set rate right now, which is top five in the country. Uh, so, you know, not too not too shabby. <laughs> and uh, she got a lot of... Oh, I did want to note, too, UNC, her and Otanay both have the same number of attacks, which is very strange for how we play volleyball, which is Bergman about a third of the time or like half the time and everyone else the rest of the time. Uh, and it was not like that against UNC. But yeah, I think I, I, even though we drop sets, those aren't the important parts here. Getting wins is the important part. And that's what happened. I think these performances say like they're not warnings per se. They're not like, like you said, like the vibes aren't bad. But But when I look at some of these performances, versus teams that they're clearly better than like it's there's something there right and i think you said it, you put this on our shot sheet earlier it's they aren't doing what it takes or they aren't performing at the level that it uh that they need to to jump into that top 10 top uh, top 10 in the yeah. country tier in volleyball um where Pitt and louisville are um and it's I think today, especially when I was watching the NC State game, I was just still frustrated about their, like, just sometimes during the late ends of the sets when it's it's tight the entire time, it, they just aren't able to finish. Um, and it, it's it, you see that again and again and again, and it's 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 very frustrating. Yeah, I don't have anything innovative to say on that end. Well, I was just looking at so the second set, the second list, uh, the second edition of the NCA committee top 10 came out today um and it did not include us but we were the first team mentioned like the description article on nca.com we were the first team mentioned outside of it and they said 
we probably weren't included because we don't have uh, a statement win. We only have one statement win, and that's BYU. Oregon, on the other hand, has yeah. beaten Stanford, which is a top 10 team right now. Um, so beating any of Louisville or Pitt might get us top 10. What really just matters is that we're top 16 so that we're not 17 or so that we're not 17 to 25 and have to face a top 10 team in the first two rounds. That's what'll kill our season immediately. Um, so just winning out however it happens and then we'll see what happens against Pitt and Louisville. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's just the, the that's a just, that's a good expectation for now. We, I, I, it sounds silly to say we need one of those, but Louisville's at home. We did match up well against them in the first set. But that staff's a great staff. They're they're not gonna they're gonna have all those adjustments already baked in, right? We haven't fundamentally yeah. changed our game since Louisville, so something's gonna have to change. Whether that's fewer errors, not given as many points, having a better answer in the middle, or when we're getting you know blocked or, or something like that, it, it's yeah. gonna it's gonna take something like that where we match up better against Louisville or Pitt and, and look, frankly, a little bit more like last year's team. And I think that's probably just because our um, our attack just hasn't quite been there, right? If Bergman went from being 1B to Brambia's 1A or arguably the other way around, and and it's tough to be, you know, the the, the focal point uh, of that yeah. and, you know, expect the same results, right? Because it, it just hasn't quite been there uh, from a couple of our other attack options. And it's it's, it's hard to get to, um, to the middle all the time too. So, you know, it, it's just a matter of something's going to have to change. They can still do it. The, the talent is there and the potential is there. It's just they need they need another win, right? Last year they beat Penn State and Pitt and probably some others I'm forgetting in the regular season. You know, that that made for a more well-rounded schedule. Yeah, I, I think I've looked at the numbers on the only advanced stats site for college volleyball, huskergeek.com, uh, and their strength of schedule is definitely down this year. I think it was... I wish I had it immediately in front of me, but it's it's like a tier below. Like it used, it was top ten or top five last year, and now it's probably top fifteen or top twenty. Um, so a pretty significant drop. And uh, and to that end, like they have dropped in a lot of other categories too. I think the ones that we were talking about earlier, there was um, offensive or, or opponent dig percentage. Um, some of their kill percentage metrics, like that stuff has just dropped off. And it's like you said, when someone is the focal point of the attack or on the other, on the other side of the coin, uh, a focal point of being attacked, right. Um, you're going to have deltas in performance. And that is what we've seen throughout this year, especially versus the pit and, and Louisville, um, Louisville level teams. Best case scenario, of course, we beat one of those two teams and that, that does the trick. Um, but yeah, we'll see how, we'll see how they adjust. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to be the big thing. And we both, we want to set against both those teams. So we know we can do it. It's just a matter of stringing it together and staying well, yeah. firm, which as we well, mentioned, and- staying playing consistently throughout an entire match is still not a thing we've fully accomplished. Yeah. I was going to say something, something like that is, is really important to highlight. Like it's, it's a team that's hung around, but at the end of the day, who's making mistakes or really capitalizing? I think the reason that you saw, uh, especially like uh, the Louisville one turn, is Louisville made adjustments and they started capitalizing where they weren't before. Speaking of opportunities that were not capitalized upon, Georgia Tech football went down to Tallahassee this weekend, riding uh, you know a bit of hype. You know, they are coming off a rough game versus Virginia, but still had sort of a new manager, new coach bounce going on. And then they lost 41 to 16. Mr. Grant, provide some opening thoughts and color on this, por favor. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really good way to put it. We did have that that new coach bounce, that new coach shine, uh, a, a real clunker against UVA was followed up, I would say, uh, with a game with some expectations. Uh, Florida State's a better inarguably a better team uh, than UVA is right now. Uh, and it's also one that more or less I would, I would consider. And I think a lot of fans would consider um, at least to some extent uh, a rival to Georgia tech, uh, whether that's just due to proximity, even though that uh, regularity is not, not always there. So there was a lot of interest there, right? How would uh, tech stack up against the best team they'd seen since Pitt in a game that was, um, you know, one where they're lacking Jeff Sims. Uh, and that's clearly been a major through line. 
Uh, I don't know how much more color you want than that. I start opening the box, but by the third series, uh, it was a different Zach at quarterback, I think is a good way to put it. So it was inconsistent. Yes. But the massive, massive difference between Gibson and then Pyron and how the plays were being called for him in that first half versus, and Keith said this in his presser after the game versus them being able to open up the book a little bit more in the second half and Critically, Pyron looked more poised and more comfortable under kind of atrocious offensive line play. I'll just say that kind of bluntly um, to the fact where he was able to make some plays. And, and there's a couple times where, yeah, uh, you know, the critical drop or um, there's one or two just, you know, terribly timed uh, penalty calls that kind of threw us way off schedule. I think that the offense was notab- noticeably better in the second half, even if it didn't like come through if that makes sense yeah did it at least seem like from what you saw like there was a sense of cohesion and like okay there's something you can build off of there with pyron i missed all the pyron snaps sadly but like was there something there you're like okay there's at least a, a semblance of a path to where there we can be some points scored and get us into gavin stewart range like was that there i i'd say so i mean it's gonna take a little more time he was going up against a, a stout defense and a team that I mean, they, they've got five wins, right? They're, they've been yep. competitive in basically every game they've played, um, including some wins that are looking better all the time. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know what it is. I don't often have thoughts like this because I'm not really a scheme personnel expert, right? But it just seems like Pyron trusts EJ Jenkins because it seemed like every time I was looking up, because I honestly time I was trying to write a piece and live tweet, and actually, like, process what was going on in front of me. Uh, but uh, it just seemed like every time uh, that there was a, I guess, opportunity to throw to EJ, he threw there. And it doesn't feel like that's somebody that we've seen a lot. So I, I think, you know, maybe he's got his guys picked out or not even picked out. But just it, it seemed like there was something there. Um, I know that's not a lot to to go off of. I don't think the run game was particularly eye test e. And quite frankly, a lot of the times the pass game wasn't either, but it cannot be understated that there were some just horribly timed calls, both through our fault and not, um, that that really changed the complexion of the game that definitely I don't think uh, get reflected all too well on a stat sheet at the end of the game. Uh, I am going to go back to the stat sheet, though, as is uh, what I do on this here podcast. Uh, 11 total receivers targeted in this game. Um, EJ Jenkins, who you pointed out specifically, Jake, five targets, 66 yards, three catches, uh, and a touchdown, 22 yards per play, 1.73 EPA per play. So uh, credit where credit is due there. Pyron, specifically, eight of 29 for 203. Uh, A touchdown, three sacks, um, 0.17 EPA per play on the day. Uh, I'm pretty impressed with that, personally. Uh, Gibson's line is... um, Quite a bit worse, but we don't have to dunk on that any further than that. Um, I, I I understand what you're saying. I think if you're going to, if you'll bear with me, it's like it could be an opportunity where you say like, hey, maybe there's some improvement there. They got some garbage time reps. They got an, an ability to generate some uh, some comfort with each other. But it, I still will say that if you look at the, the stat sheet and especially what it looked like when it wasn't garbage time, it was not particularly kind mm. well he could sling it i don't know you can just see a difference I, I i know that's not that's not stats right but you know he he was making plays he was having to be mobile and he was being forced into positions that by the plays that were being called especially in the first half being exceptionally unimaginable designed runs for zach pyron like feed those to jeff sims you know like all day but like right meh. um and like there was a couple times where you know just by him being uh, a, a literal true freshman um just being a hair late on a throw i i saw this it was to one of the dylans uh leonard right uh tight end um yeah uh just threw a hair too late and his momentum was carrying him out of bounds if he would have thrown it half a second earlier i think he probably could have recovered it and it was all all daylight in front of him, uh, you know, for definitely a first down camera work was a little sus by ACC network. So I couldn't see much further down the field than that, but you know, it, it's, it's stuff like that, that, yeah, you can say, but number go burr. 
Tyron, meh. Yeah, he's a true freshman starting against Florida State, which is an objectively very talented team in a suboptimal uh, a position where he's forced to be suboptimal. And this is at the same time where you're starting Zach Gibson and Zach Tyron, both with notable, you know, exceptions, flaws, whatever. That's forcing your defense to be on the field a really freaking long time. And yeah, there were times where coverages were bad or busted or they weren't making a tackle or doing that classic Jeff Collins go for the strip instead of like actually like bringing a guy to the ground. Right. Also Florida state's yards after contact must be astronomically high. Like, I don't know where I checked that, but number man, go burr. Um, and, and let me know. Cause that bill hasn't posted the like, box score yet. That's what I've been looking it, for in the background. It just seemed like they were bouncing off our defenders and, and part of it's cause they're tired. And part of it's cause at the end of the day, I'm not glad we lost Virginia, and I'm not glad we lost to Florida State. I wish we would have beat Virginia. I wish we would have gone to a bowl and all that. But I thoroughly believe at this point, the Jeff Collins era just needs to get flushed, restarted, and rebooted. Like that is, at the end of the day, you see a lot of the same stuff in the same way that the last game was the Temple Davy P special. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I I think based on what we saw in these last two games, we've uh, most of the fan base should have come to that same conclusion, right? We just need to get all of it out and then regroup and reset and, and hopefully have some more program investment uh, along with that, right? Maybe there's a different, or maybe there's an increase to the salary pool. Maybe there's an increase to head coaching salary, depending on what candidates are available and what candidates are being considered um, and what kind of staffs they want to want to put together. But uh, that I think is kind of the synopsis of these of these last two weeks or these last three weeks, even right. Speaking of investment, we'll discuss during this short break. As you all know, loyal listeners of Science of the Southland, uh, we love Section One Hundred Three here at this podcast. Uh, as we know that uh, every week, I try and wear one of my Section One Hundred Three shirts. This week, I'm in a classic. It's my I'm a Ramblin' Wreck from Georgia Tech and hell of an engineer shirt. Uh, It is one of my favorites. I go back to it a lot just because it's very soft, very comfortable. And it goes with a lot of my uh, wintertime flannels, which, you know, love a a t-shirt that I can pair with something uh, to, uh, you know, go out and about for a nice little dinner. Uh, That said, Section 103 has everything. Uh, They have long sleeves. They have sweatshirts. They have, you know, shirts, stickers even. Uh, But uh, as always, free shipping on orders. Over 70 bucks. Uh, again, uh, you can get the word mark. You can get things in the tech gold, which is shockingly hard to find. And you can get some retro stuff as well, which is where I like to spend most of my money there. But anyways, you can find them at section103.com and at section103 on Twitter. Interact with them. Uh, choose the next design and stay tuned for more from Stephen and the gang. Welcome back to Signs of the Southland. We are well into the 9 p.m. hour here on Sunday. Let's talk about women's basketball. Let's do our season preview. Well, Mr. Grant, you're up first. Walk me through. For those who are, you know, maybe new to the program or they don't really remember what happened last year, walk me through the 2021-22 season for the Jackets. Yeah, so Georgia Tech in 2021-22 was a remarkably consistent, I think, would would be the team in terms of what was brought over from 2020 uh, to 2021. Uh, A lot of the same faces, right? This is a team that has seen Lodamai Lawton and Lorella Kubai around a long time in particular. Uh, And, you know, you you lose a couple here and there over the years, but uh, it was a team that kind of felt like a known entity going to the season, uh, coming off of a sweet 16 appearance in Nell Fortner's second season. So that was her third uh, on the flats. And quite honestly, out of the gates, it looked like they were uh, kicking some serious butt and taking names. Uh, There were a couple tough losses. Uh, Purdue last minute can't make a free throw kind of thing, which has been somewhat of a theme uh, as well. And also a head scratcher of a loss to Auburn, uh, who are not quite as good as their men's basketball team. But uh, all things considered, non-con, uh, seemed to line up with exactly where they had left off, capped uh, by taking down number three UConn uh, in in non conference play, as well as beating UGA on the road, and those were also in the same week. So, 
tell walk, walk us through sort of that second half of the season. They get to January, they get into February, they're rolling, they're hot, and then it sort of just kind of rumbles, bumbles, stumbles towards the end, right? Well, it it's 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 a theme that we've seen a lot from uh, from Georgia Tech women's basketball over the years, even predating uh, Coach Nell Fortner. Georgia Tech women's basketball up to this point. We'll get into this a little bit later, but up to this point has played a ruthlessly physical brand of basketball that is basically the Iowa football for for those who may be more football inclined uh, of basketball. Right. It is bruising. It is bully ball. It is, you know, points that are or scores that are, you know, 48 to 52 or or something like that. It's not a fat. It's not a fast paced brand of basketball. And it really harkens back to the George Mikan. Uh, yeah, quest for 40 actually just put in our chat, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the George Mike in like no shot clock era uh, of men's basketball back in, in the fifties. And the thing is that wears you down, especially in uh, the COVID season. That's notable when you're playing a lot of games in short stretches due to, due to, to cancellations and things like that. And it's also notable when you're playing on a short bench. Uh, and this is a team that has played an exceptionally short bench due to injury and just, you know, the talent that they've got uh, over the last couple of years, Tech um, Tech has long played uh, a pretty short roster in, in women's basketball, and even more so last year uh, with the injuries to Kara Fletcher and Loyal, Loyal McQueen transferring to Alabama after after a couple of games. So really, they were kind of playing with one hand tied behind the back, not to say that them making it to the tournament at, at, at all is a, is a miracle, but this, this was a team that was knocking on a top 10 door um, you know, host type material um, kind of situation, but just one that they didn't have it, man. And 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 you lose a couple parts. You're you're tired. You're gassed. You're a step slow in the bully ball brand offense. That'll get you, Mr. Purdy. Let's talk a little bit about those departures, the major departures from this program. I think we have to start with Lorella Kubai, yep. who's Tech's all-time leading rebounder. Was drafted by the New York Liberty. He got some spot minutes in the in last uh, in the last WNBA season. Uh, and is now headed over to Italy. But walk me through some of the other departures and, and key contributors that either transferred or graduated. Yeah, no, losing Kubai, we lost the full crumb of the team. I mean, she, she, yeah, there was one game where she came out at home. I forgot which one it was, but it was like the last few minutes. And we were like, oh, oh no, yep. season's over. And then yep. Nell, after the game, she's like, ah, now she's fine. She was just exhausted. I was like, oh, okay, never mind. And then she hit again, the ground hard when that it happened. It hit the ground hard. Like it was a, it was one of those knock the wind out of you. Like, okay, yeah, please just take the night off. You're, you will we'll, we'll protect you for later. Um, and then also had a, got banged up in the ACC tournament games too. Um, so that, but that, but she, like when the, she was out though, like that was the entire team. That was the brand of the bully ball and the hard-fought points and the good rebounding all in one person. That was her. That was what this whole team was built around. Um, and so it, it once losing her means that if we don't have a suitable replacement that matches that, we got to change things. And so that's what's going to happen. Um, Jake, you had a note before I go yeah, on? Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, it's important to say, yeah, she was banged up for that ACC tournament. That's because that happened right, right after that game. Uh, so, right. And, and, you know, if... If if you're seeing that in in the heart and soul uh, of your offense and your defense, you're you're in for a tough time. And and you know for a lot of different reasons and a lot of different ways, uh, Michelle Joseph's teams never could close it out down the stretch. But due to injury and and just being dang tired from from that style of basketball, I, I think it absolutely made made a difference. Right, it made a difference. And that yeah. really defined Tech women's basketball for gosh, probably twenty years now. Yeah, the rest that. L- are no longer on the team. Blodomai Ladnan, who I believe was supposed to play kind of like a more guard forward position. Um, and then once Kara Fletcher went out and Loyal McLean were, go- McQueen were gone, she was shoehorned into the point guard role. Uh, she's now playing in Belgium. Uh, Sarah Bates transferred to West Virginia on her last el- eligible COVID year. Um, so is she her fourth year? Is this her? Is she no, says a fifth That year, was her fourth school. <laughs> that's her fourth. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that is her fourth school. Um, so oh, okay. man. Yeah, Sarah Bates's journey is just, you can only describe it via map. It's, like, it's there's a lot. no it's other. a lot. Yeah, but she was our sixth man last year. I mean, kind of one of our. I mean, that was she was in a sense the end of the bench. Some games just with what was available and usable. Uh, Dina Stratmanay is now playing in Australia. If I believe that, take if I believe that's correct. Um, Elizabeth Delaney was like 
are like break glass in case of emergency point guard. She is no longer on the online roster. And the best that we can tell on Google, we don't know if she's still on campus or like if she's on another school or something like that. We'll try to figure that out. But best we can tell, she's not on the current roster. Uh, and then Kira Fletcher graduated and she's now playing at South Carolina as well. Uh, but she got hurt early. So she was at, at, early in the season. She was not going to be. That was the last of her time with Tech. Um, the notables returning. There's two of them were starters, two were not, and two barely played that much. Uh, Nere Hermosa was our center, um, our leading free throw shooter, which I do not believe will be the case this year. And Aaliyah Love, who really broke out the second half of last season and took over and need, needed to take over offensively and did really well um, from the forward spot. Uh, Avions Carter and Aisha Wone Arana are the back, are the, they were like the seven, eight people on the bench. They were, I mean, they, they were not starters. Probably won't be this year. Um, AC Carter could play some bully ball, which is good. And Aaron I was basically when Hermosa or Kubai weren't on the floor and Bates didn't come in, it was her. Uh, so that's where we're at there. Mr. Grant, tell us about the first incoming freshman, Miss Tony Morgan. Well, the fact that we have it written in our note sheet as it being the Tony Morgan factor, I think kind of says it all. <laughs> um, Jack, I know you're very high on her. I'm pretty high on her. Yeah. But I think the thing that makes that go from like us being blogger, writer, podcaster people and talking about it versus uh, legit is hearing what Coach Nell Fortner uh, and, and the rest of the squad who went up to ACC tip off had to say. Um, very uh, polished offensive player for a uh, for a freshman, I'd say. I don't really have a read on whether she's going to like literally start right away but i can definitely see yeah, that based on how she's being talked about as like you know the next big thing uh being something that happens at least by acc time or, or maybe the end of the year um the notes that uh jack put in in here say that she did average 26 and 4 uh while shooting 72 percent from the line uh and, and i like all of that uh, i kind of alluded to this earlier free throw shooting has never been one of tech women's basketballs or men's basketball too honestly <laughs> strong suits um uh, we can get into that next week but um it, it, in terms of just you know it could points you got to make the ones that uh that are easy that are right in front of you but also it sounds uh based on her play style that uh, she can also make chances as well uh, and that's uh you know, really, really good place to be in an offense that needed to seize the chances it got when it got them last year because they didn't have a lot of possessions. But it, it seems to it seems to portend a, a change in offensive style, uh, which I think uh, Coach Fortner talked about as well at ACC. Mm -hmm. Gentlemen, let's get into that scheme change uh, before we talk about some of the incoming transfers. Actually, this might be a good opportunity to talk about some of those incoming transfers. Um Jack, when we were preparing for this, you mentioned that last year was a full defense, like Jack, like Jake said, that Iowa football mentality. Yeah, that's the hard right nose, That hard-nosed style of defense and scoring 50 points and, and uh, working out a win. This year, what Tech is looking at, well, they brought in Cameron Schwartz from Boston College uh, as the reigning ACC Most Improved Player of the Year. Uh, on her fifth uh, fifth year or grad transfer year. What are they looking to do with her uh, in the mix and some of the other transfers as well? Dare I say Cameron Swartz is the offense. It, that That's just where we are now, uh, along with Bianca Jackson, who also came in from Florida State. I, I, I think that's just where the scoring is supposed to come from now. Um, now that our best, not that our, now that our, kind of our best player is no longer a defensive and run to the basket kind of minded person. We're now, we've now got people that are fast. We've got people that can shoot, can shoot threes really importantly and get and be high volume scores. Our score lines may be closer to like 70 to 65 this year, less than 52, 48, like it was last year, because we can score quickly. This team is going to be so much faster. And Nell said as much at ACC tip off was that like, yeah, this is supposed to be a team that can take advantage of breakaways that can get down the court quickly. Um, that was something I noted about Tony Morgan that I'll write about more later on. But no, these are people that can shoot from the line, that can shoot threes, and we pretty much only had Sarah Bates and Bloodamai that could shoot threes last year. Now we've got at least two uh, that can do that. I don't believe Hermosa. Hermosa sometimes takes them at the top of the key every once in a while. Um, but no, we have we basically just took all of our guards, 
replaced them with the with these two and from and some really experienced scorers as well. Bianca Jackson was the third highest scorer at Florida State for a for a time there. Um and was a good score at her two others at her other stop in South Carolina. Uh and Swartz, I mean, if you've looked seen any of the media, she's just front and center, the person now as well. Like that is who the, that is what the brand of tech women's basketball is being presented as too. Based on the turnout for her Boston College games at McCamish, I think she might also literally be like lifting the average attendance by like 40 people per game just I, yeah. by being here. No, no one like went to those from, games. From the huge showing she would get. And that's that's great. You know, it shows yeah. support from the community. She's she's a local Atlanta. It's good to see her back, you know. Yeah, no. She made it she made a point noting that like coming home and playing in front of her family was important to her. And that's why. And I mean, and who says no to playing in playing for Nell Fortner at this point. Like last year was a great sell year to prove that the Georgia tech, that her her version of Georgia tech women's basketball is worth coming to. Um, And she used the portal. Well, I think at least ahead of time, preseason ranking wise. Um, So we'll see how this goes. Uh, Kayla Blackshear was the last one that got that transferred in. She actually transferred in the winter uh, during the season and started taking classes in the spring 22 semester. Um, she barely played for, she really played at Bama this past season. So she's a Ford. I don't know if she's going to make the starting roster or not, or starting five or not, but I just know she's there. Uh, that's kind of all I got on that. So I got a portal observation and I kind of want to compare contrast it to what we'll talk about for men's basketball next week. It seems like Nell Fortner has gone out and rather quickly found some pretty high impact players and gotten them to one want to come to tech and two in into the school to like yeah. is this a model you think for and i guess i guess michelle collier has done this uh, for volleyball as well maybe not to the yeah. same impact just because the rosters are a little bit longer um is this how we see maybe you know men's basketball maybe needing to to pivot next like oh, or is it too early to judge i feel like with volleyball it's a little bit too early for me to to you know draw long conclusions on it yeah, but it, it seems like on thing. paper this is a pretty pretty compelling way to i guess now be playing nail ball versus previous era ball and what's great about this is that nail ball is whatever it needs to be like we are not we have not shoehorned ourselves into playing a defensive mindset we just grabbed who was there and who was good and we're gonna work around that um and that's that's a really appealing thing as well um on the Collier front, I mean, the the broadcasters are saying how it's kind of incredible how Tamara Otsune like wasn't highly recruited out of New Zealand, just no one caught her, and then she's played for Indiana State, Illinois State, because she had a fellow teammate there, and they were like, "How are you not being recruited by UCLA?" And so they grabbed her, and then she got good, and then we got her. Um, not the same case, of course, with basketball because that's just incredibly highly recruited in the United States. Um, yeah. and we get I mean, just about anyone that's good is going to get got by somebody. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. I think, I think my main point here is though, is that the, the flexibility that this team is, could show future people that could come here and be like, Hey, we'll work around you. If you're going to be the face of this team. I want to dig one into one more point that, uh, that you made about last year being a point for like selling people on nail ball. Honestly, the first thing that would have come to my mind is maybe the year before with the Sweet 16 run. But I guess, you know, you got the UConn win. That's the UConn win kind of feels like the old era personified, right? How do, how do we feel that that's going to like, I guess, transition I- into this next year? My uh, guess especially is... Especially with the yeah. changes that we see coming. Yeah, I, 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 I like last year more as a sell year because it proved the first one wasn't a fluke. Um, okay. Okay. And, I like that. In that outside of the COVID boundaries of a very regulated season beyond normal, even though there was a couple of cancellations and move, games moved because of COVID last season. Like yeah. we're still, we're still is kind of in the remnants of that. Um, no, it, 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 they, they, I mean, I, I think they did underperform all said and done. They should have lost to UConn. Paige Beckers did not play that game. That's a massive caveat that must be made there. Um, and we took full advantage of it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with that now. Um, maybe to, 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 uh, spoiler later when I talk to this, one of the coaches, maybe they'll have something about that as well. That's a spoiler. I was going to drop that later. Come on. Why are you doing the hosting job? You trying to take my job here? It's my interview. <laughs> uh, messy, messy, messy. Jack, let's go back to you. Give me 
a let's not do like a record prediction. All right. Give yep. me like a vibes prediction. All right. When we get to March, that first week of March, how will I be feeling about this team? Oh man. I mean, we're okay. I'm I'm looking at the last five games. It's don't Pitt. do a schedule reading. Don't you dare do a schedule reading. This three is not the, split zone duo. Three of the last five are at home, and we finish at home, which I like against teams that we can beat. So I do, in fact, think that with this team, we'll be able to have won a decent number of our games at the end of the season. We it isn't as backloaded as last last year was, um, and we play Louisville up front critically, and we play North Carolina State up front critically, and we played them near the end last year, and it kind of killed us. Um, so I think vibes wise, we'll go into the ACC tournament probably somewhere in that four to seven range, like we were last year. I think that's that's certainly in question. We were six last year. We're tracking for higher, um, pending that slip as we mentioned. I, I would say we, we it would it would be it would be hopeful to make the final, but I think at least ha- having a fighting chance to make the semis, I think, is a good spot to be in at the time. So you're looking at say like. Finishing in that second tier, right? So that Louisville, yeah. you have that Louisville NC State tier, and then you have that Georgia Tech FSU. I think ja- Jake and I have always had this thing, right? Like Louisville and NC State are in that in that first tier of women's basketball, and we've talked right. about this with volleyball too. Tech can be that third team, yeah. Right? Yep. It just has to. It has to work for it. So let's use that as a baseline, right? Tech sits in that third tier like like you're saying jack jake what is one thing that tech has to excel at this season in order for that to come true Ooh, i thought i had was gonna get this in one punchy word but uh i don't think we can lose our defensive heart if that makes sense right it's great to go to offense it's it's i think necessary with how the game's changed and and how women's basketball's really opened up the floor a lot in in the last couple of years. And, you know, players are getting more and more talented all the time, better, better support and all that. But I don't think tech, uh, I'd be very apprehensive the same way if men's basketball did this too. If we were suddenly a team that was pulling a a Northwestern offensive switcheroo again, to go back to the the deep well of big 10 football analogies. But (laughs) for those that don't know, Northwestern basically went from being man ball, uh, running back boy uh, offense to being uh, speed kills basic, basically kind of thing. And I just don't, I'm not going to believe that tech has the, the guns to win an offensive shootout until I see it happen for the first time. I think once I get there, I will, but I think tech can't lose that defensive heart. Cause I, I just don't, I don't know if we can win a boat race yet. I haven't, I haven't seen Georgia tech women's basketball ever have that capability. We'll have an early indication if this is possible too, because we've got we've got good teams on the front of the schedule. Jake, what is the most points that you've seen Tech women's basketball score? It's got to be in like the mid sixties, right? They they have not they've not on. broken seventy in recent memory. Y'all vamp. I'm going to do a little bit of research because I have a pretty good sense of games I've gone to over the years. So let me pull up a let me pull up a media guide because we've seen a lot of bully ball basketball. I've got Tech the Syracuse, answer. I've got Tech the answer. UGA. We, dare I dare y'all forget on Sunday, February 13th of this year, we beat the Clemson Tigers 92 to 84 oh. in overtime. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, give me that regulation. was mid podcast. We were podcasting during. That. Yeah, that was a rights violation. That was fun. Um. <laughs> Give me like regulation time, even like competitive fixture. I'm looking. Hold on, just just y'all y'all vamp. Give me a minute. I'll I'll well, figure it out. Jack, let's let's walk out the projected uh, six person rotation here. Right, yeah. you mentioned that Swartz is going to play a big role this year. Jackson also, you said, would be at the other guard position position. But what does the rest of the lineup look like? I imagine Nurea Hermosa will stay at center. Uh, Ilya Lev will stay at her forward spot. The, the reason that swapped them out, we haven't gotten anyone better. Um, if we use another forward instead of another guard, uh, I my guess is one of Kayla Blackshear, Aisha Wona Aronov will take that second spot. I just don't know enough about Blackshear to confidently say if she's good enough to take over Aronov in that, in that particular spot. Um, Aronov's not bad. I, I I think she's, she'll, if with, with improvement, she'll definitely be, close to a plus player. So I'm not, I, I would not be, I would be fine if we start the year like that just to see what happens um, and let, 
let the let the team unfold. We've got a couple of cupcakes at the beginning to kind of just do whatever needs to get done to figure out what the what the rotations will be. We, I guess, in in the football sense, you have a lot of discourse about that transfer heavy strategy, right? Like, is that does that put your roster as a, at a disadvantage mm-hmm. moving forward? Especially, we've seen it with schools like Kansas before the one year transfer rule before. Um, like the the transfer waivers and everything. The schools like Kansas, they brought in a lot of JUCO players and then their roster was barren in mm-hmm. years right after those JUCO players uh, came out. So are there risks to that strategy? Do you see, foresee any risks to that strategy, doing that every year and relying on uh, results rather than recruiting talent? Yeah, I, I, I could see that where I, I would hate that. My, my, I just wonder if because you bring in some guns the people that have been developing through the program may not feel as valued. I don't think that's actually the case though. Um, But I could see others a world where it's like, Hey, we've been here the whole time. Where are we going to get our shot or not? Um, I I think we also added very well at the top and are very well at the bottom with the freshmen. I think we, the three main guards we got between Tony Morgan, Raven Boswell and Kara Dunn are actually going to be good players. Um, I believe they're all in the top 100 Um, Raven. They all had good game film that I watched. Um, So I, is you mentioned that, but I'm like I, I kind of feel like we 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 did both parts really well for what was available and what could be done. Um, so I, I'd be very curious to see what next year looks like too. It's just like, all right, is Tony Morgan just the the point guard now as a sophomore, and we're going with that? And Raven Boswell's got to have to do some work as well. So, um, this year will be a fun little one year experiment of like, all right, what does hired hands look like to run the whole team? And then do we have to do it again next year? Do we just play young and grow that team and just not be perfect for a year, but see what years three and four of that core looks like. So I don't know. I think another part of that too, is as you look at this team this year, there've been a lot of other investments in the program, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago about uh, a new video director, a new uh, analytics coordinator, a new social media coordinator. There is investment going into a successful program, both on the recruiting side um, and on the uh, and on like the infrastructure side mm-hmm. right the the game management the scouting so i'm interested to see how those pieces because you know me being the more program level guy interested to see how those pieces of infrastructure help support different parts of this season mm-hmm. i hope jake has his answer because he's still not giving us a signal as to whether he does or not <laughs> well i'm gonna i'm gonna not fudge this a little bit because I realized that I've been to more and or different games than I thought. So I'm going to pull one out of my back pocket. I wasn't there in person because it happened at Carmichael up in Chapel Hill. And uh, I didn't necessarily watch it on television. Uh, I was scoreboard watching between rec club interviews and the most points that I can remember being actively engaged in a game Obviously not like watching on TV kind of thing, but Tech lost a 91 to 90 regulation contest at UNC uh, in January of 2019. Hmm. Uh, it was oh my god, I How I yeah, we were this. sitting together, dude. Do you not? Anyways, I I was gonna wait for you to realize <laughs> that we were sitting together watching the scoreboard take up uh... for like three hours. But Georgia Tech women's basketball. During the Michelle Josephs era, which was even more bully ball than the last three years, lost a game in regulation and scored 90 points. How? <laughs> How did they do that? I, like, did Francesca Pond literally make 33s? Like, that is the only thing that comes to mind. Like, I've got nothing else. Oh, my God. Oh, I hate that I remember that game. That was agonizing. Because we, yeah. we turned it on. We ended up turning it on, I think, for like the last... Yep probably yep. 30 seconds and just yep. watched uh, uh didn't it come down to like a uh like i don't know I, it I'm came down to a to... really stupid foul call for you that yep. in unc's favor if i remember correctly yep. but i'm not didn't it end go... on free throws i think yeah i think I, it I ended on free throws it was uh, I, I remember it being like egregiously stupid and then the entire coaching staff disappeared like two weeks later so yeah I'll tell you, that game was in the middle, or that was the first of losing like 12, or 
like eight of 12 down the stretch to just absolutely implode. Yeah. That was, that's bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause that was also a year in which they were poised to make the tournament. And then there were, there was a whole bunch to out- unpack and that continues to be unpacked. They Mr. lost 30. nine of their last, uh, 14 or 13, 14, 14. Sorry. Yikes. Yeah. It was bad. Um, what did you even ask me? I've been so distracted by remembering this horrible game. You know what I'm asking you for now? Your ACC picks. Gentlemen, let's start on Friday, November 4th. Duke visits Boston College. Duke is favored by nine and a half points. Mr. Grant, you are up first for 7 p.m. on ESPN2. Duke, easy. They're gonna. This is going to be what gets Mike Elko's team to a, to a bowl. Boston College is turbo garbage. Like they, there might Thank not you. be more than three fans in the stands at this game. Good Give seats still available. Tickets as low uh, tickets as low as nine dollars. Mr. Purdy, what you say? Yeah, Duke as well. But Boston College lost to UConn. Kiefer was completely right in making his sicko pick of the week last week. Womp, womp. Noon on ACC Network, number seventeen, North Carolina, the only coastal team that's ranked, visits Virginia. Mr. Purdy, UNC favored by nine and a half. Go, no go. Couldn't be more. I, I would take the over on that. I didn't give you the over. I gave you the spread. But good try, Mr. Better. Jake, you're up. I uh, would also think that that line for UNC is suspiciously low. I want to know what Vegas knows that we don't because Virginia is bad. Uh, they're, they're awful. Um, and UNC's not great, but they're definitely better than Virginia. I, I think uh, the, the South's oldest rivalry goes to, goes to UNC this year. UVA knows how to cook, uh, kick field goals real good. 330 on ACC Network. Number 22, Cuse visits Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh favored by three and a half, question mark. Jake, you're up first. Yes, the the the, the favorite rivalry of the old Big East. Anyways, um, Pitt, the line is three and a half. Syracuse feels like they're reeling. Mm, I think they right the ship. Uh, I, I, I think it'll be a good game, but I think Syracuse pulls it out. I can't wait for the uh, running backs tweet after that one, personally. Uh, on Peacock and NBC at 7.30, Clemson visits Notre Dame. Can oh, I make sorry. a pick? I'm moving uh, this is, I, I think this actually is a trap game for Syracuse. I'm taking Pitt. This, 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 the, the vibes are not right for me on this one. That's fair. That's fair. It's time for Clemson versus Notre Dame. I already introduced it. I'm sorry, Jack. Jake, you're up first. Uh, I think... It'll be a good game. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame is necessarily on Clemson's level, but uh, it is a home game, so I think they'll make it competitive. Love a night game in South Bend. I don't like Notre Dame that much, but man, am I a sucker for that stadium? Anyways, I I, I still think Clemson takes it. They're 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 just the better team, and they need to take care of business. And Dabo takes care of business. Clemson by four is the line, Mister Purdy. What you got? Great stadium as well. Great time. What this all? This was a great game last time. This happened. Um... Mm-hmm. But yeah, still Clemson. Was the last time this happened a monsoon game, or am I missing? One? No, 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 no. The last time this matchup was played was the DJU in for Trevor Lawrence in relief. Yep. Notre Dame won in OT, mm-hmm. I believe. T- I remember twenty twenty COVID times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, moving on, seven thirty on ESPNU. James Madison, first year FBS. James Madison playing Louisville in Louisville. Louisville favored by seven and a half, which seems suspicious. Mr. Grant, you're up first. James Madison is a good team. I think Louisville's a more talented team there at home. Uh, I I can't pick against the cards on this. Yeah, I'm I'm taking JMU. Get 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 make your mark. Make your mark, JMU. Please do it. Y'all can y'all 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 have it. Get this is a great, sat fired. <laughs> this is a great great game to make a great mark. Was it a night game? Yeah, it's a night game in Louisville. Oh yeah, yeah. Make it happen. Jack has no family ties to bias him. Moving on, 7.30 ABC, Florida Actually, State and Miami. Uh, I refuse to acknowledge that. Florida State versus Miami. Uh, FSU favored by eight and a half points at Hard Rock Stadium. Jack, you're up first. Oh, Lordy. I hate both of these teams. I'm not going to watch this game. Don't uh, let your emotions blind you, Jack. Yeah, I'm just going to go with Florida State. Their helmets look cool last week. I think there'll be more Florida State fans there than Miami fans. This is there's going to be no home field advantage. Miami does not look good, and Florida State can play. I, I think it's 
I think it's going Florida State eight and a half might even be too low of a line. You know, ESPN is telling me that there are tickets as cheap as one hundred and two dollars for this game, and that just simply can't be right. There are going to be more empty seats than fans of either team in this one. Moving on to eight. PM on ACC Network. Wake Forest versus NC State for the battle for the twentieth poll ranking. Mr. Grant, you're up first. Yeah, um, Wake Forest feels really snake bitten. Basically, every time they go to Carter Finley Stadium, that is a bit I have recycled from former podcast host Ethan Kreger. I'll keep that one alive. Um, in, in terms of just the expectations here, Wake Forest needs to bounce back. Um, I, I, it. It puts me on the fence. I'm I'm a, I'm a fence sitter. What can I say? Uh, I still think Wake Forest takes it. Uh, NC State's really banged up, including at the very important quarterback position. Oh, they are. Hmm. That affects my pick. Devin Leary was not good this year, but he is not playing for NC State right now. I see. Okay. Well, in that case, I might take Wake Forest as well. If that is what 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 the situation is twenty, 20 now this is say twenty versus twenty one we've got the playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday so how this will get ranked may be different one of these teams may not be ranked technically by when the time this is played so but I'll still we as a we as a society have moved past the need for early CFP rankings personally uh, speaking of something that's more interesting than CFP CFP rankings let's go to our single picks of the week I am going to go first because I picked a specially designed disappointment matchup that I feel like is an anxiety bowl somewhere in there. BYU versus Boise. Boise's favored by eight points. Both of these teams were projected to be like decent or like good coming into this year. Maybe Boise a little less so, but like Boise has that reputation, right? Both of these teams are like terrible. They are not, not good. This is a four and five, I guess Boise six and two, but they don't look good. They don't look like a Boise State team of your. Um, I'm going to take Boise to cover eight. It's at Albertson Stadium in Boise, Idaho. The weather is going to be 48 degrees. It's going to be great. It's on FS2. No one gets that channel, which makes it even, even more sickos. Mr. Grant, you're next. Yeah, I'm going to take the $5 and bits of broken chair trophy game. Uh, that is Minnesota at Nebraska. Minnesota's favored by 12. Uh, Nebraska hasn't given me anything to think that they are going to be good for a while. Uh, so I'll take Minnesota, but I also just love that trophy uh, because it shows the good that can come out of the internet and also a really fun little matchup that uh, Nebraska joining the Big Ten has actually created rather than destroyed. So, yay. Uh, I love the internet. Mr. Purdy, you are our final contestant. I'm still learning what it means to do a sickos pick because you nailed it last week oh i did cool um all foot i mean all football to an extent is interesting but i've picked up the vibe that these are games that no one should actually watch voluntarily if they want to enjoy the sport of football to where it land to where i lands on the virginia tech georgia tech game this coming week um yeah no no one should watch the virginia tech georgia tech game if 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 anything, check in. Look what the uniforms are like. See if Virginia Tech's wearing white. If they got they're doing some good burgundy stuff going on, let's see if we pulled out the gold jersey again on the road. If we're even that we're that daring, uh, we're three and a half point underdogs. I I don't care about where this game lands as long as no one has a season ending injury, basically. And I hope Pyron makes some strides. But beyond that, those are the only reasons I'm watching this game because it's all. So you're saying I, I shouldn't drive up to Blacksburg and already have a hotel room up there. Cause I will be there in person next week. Yeah. I would, I would do something else. What you, uh, podcasting is a visual medium, of course. So what you could obviously see through the comfort of your phone is, uh, me and Jake cringing as, uh, as Jack mentioned, the gold jerseys. Yes. If they put on the gold jerseys, I will allow this as a sicko pick. Yes. I will definitely allow this as a sicko pick. Um, other news and notes, we will do a men's basketball preview podcast next week. That is on the docket. We will have uh, an interview coming out later this week with assistant women's basketball coach Blanche Alverson. Check, be on the lookout for that. Gentlemen, any other final notes as we head deeper into the 10 p.m. hour? Uh, I got to go pack for my business trip. So let's wrap this. Wow, important businessman. Well, because of that, you have to lead us out. Don't I do this every week? Anyways, 
You can find this podcast, as you know, wherever fine podcasts are sold. Tell your friends, tell your family, uh, tell your significant others, tell your dog. Uh, maybe your dog will enjoy listening to us because, you know, maybe. I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, your comments, your feedbacks, your ratings do mean a lot to us, uh, and they help us determine where we go next with this delightful podcast. Uh, if you have any suggestions for content you want to hear us talk about more, let us know. You can email us uh, at fromtherumbleseat at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at FTRSblog. Uh, you know, tweet us. Reply to this tweet that this podcast is in, post a comment on the site. All those things work. We read them uh, and we like to hear from you. Uh, you can find me at Jake Grant 98. You can find Jack at Jack Nicholas. You can find Akshay at Game of Paper, GameOnPaper.com. And you can find Section 103 at Section 103 on Twitter and Section103.com. Uh, their stuff's great. And uh, I'm going to go probably put on a different shirt of theirs when I go to bed. So literally uh, can't endorse them more wholeheartedly. Uh, that being said, tune in same time next week for another episode. Thanks, good night, and go Jackets. <laughs>